This is Father Wade Menezes of the Fathers of Mercy and EWTN. You're listening to the Station of the Cross, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Heard around the world on your Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? I am fine. I'm thrilled to be with you. And it is an extremely special day. Uh, It is the feast of the Nativity of Our Blessed Lady, September 8th. And for us here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, it is a first-class feast. This is the day we uh, we first became a public association, the faithful, and today... Uh, I took my final vows, as many of you know, August 15th on the Feast of the Assumption, and today on the Feast of the Nativity of Our Beautiful Lady, um, our Sister Gertrude Marie of the Sacred Heart will take her first vows. I've been delayed vows many years, and so has she. So these will be her first vows, and um, Bishop Strickland will receive them tonight right here in in our new property in our priory. So it's a most most wonderful day and we are we are thrilled for it i promised you yesterday that i would continue with the talk i gave this past weekend at defending our faith conference here in tyler and it's basically um let me see i think this is it it is basically um uh almost holy uh, taken from the book, a very small book, he calls it a, a, a tract, um, uh, written by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski on what is true obedience in the church. True obedience versus false obedience. And I think much of what prompted Dr. Kwasniewski to write it <clears throat> was so many priests being canceled by bishops who have no reason to cancel them who are simply using their power in a way that's apart from their ordination, that they have no right to use, and priests are submitting, uh, and some bishops are submitting, uh, to what is false obedience, servile obedience that has no basis. And so I could not dare to say these things on my own or be able to know or clarify them, but Dr. Kwasniewski can and has His book might take uh, twice as long to read, and for my talk, uh, which I had an hour, uh, I excerpted it um, to put this together, and I'm going to continue from where we left off yesterday. Dr. Kwasniewski says, if we are convinced that something essential, something decisive in the faith is under attack from the Pope or any other hierarch, We are not only permitted to refuse to do what is being asked or commanded, not only permitted to refuse to give up what is being unjustly taken away or forbidden, we are obliged to refuse out of the love we bear to our Lord himself, our love for his mystical body, 
and our proper love for our own souls. Our obedience is rightfully given to the higher authority in the matter under discussion. That means to divine providence, to the Holy Spirit, to the authority of the church of all ages, to the voice of God in one's conscience as it bears witness to the greater sacrality and sanctifying power of the ancient rites and to the needs and demands of the ecclesial common good. Because this is true, any penalty or punishment meted out for so-called disobedience to the revolutionaries would be illicit. If a punishment is given on false theological or canonical premises, it is null and void, just as the canonical trial and excommunication of Joan of Arc were recognized as illegitimate 25 years after her execution at the hands of corrupt and politically motivated clergy. Imagine a hierarch who removes, suspends, hold on a minute. One moment, beloved. Imagine a hierarch who removes, suspends, excommunicates, or seeks to laicize a Catholic priest because the priest loves and adheres to the liturgical tradition and hierarch, and the hierarch despises and rejects it. The suspension or excommunication or even removal from the clerical state would be null and void. It is a self-contradiction for authority to be used against anyone whose only crime, so-called, is that he contends earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. That's the so-called threat right now uh, that Bishop Strickland is under. He is contending earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. That's all he's doing. Um, That's all any bishop is ordained to do. The priest may continue administering the sacraments as before his faculties remain unimpaired. Someone might object to such thoughts in essence deny that legitimate ecclesiastical authority still exists. For if it did, any penalty it meted out against a priest, whether guilty or innocent, would still be effective pro tempore, that means for the time being. A priest who had his faculties removed would lack faculties. After all, canon law assumes the validity of actions in the external form. Dr. Kwasniewski's response is that this reasoning would be true in ordinary times, but not in our extraordinary times, when ecclesiastical authority by its assault on liturgical and theological tradition has turned against the common good of the church, subverting its own purpose and to that extent, its authority. Catholics recognize a law more fundamental than canonical dictates, one that conditions them necessarily and thoroughly. Um, Salus animarum suprema lex, that is, the salvation of souls is the supreme law. That's all Bishop Strickland cares about, the salvation of souls and the right growth of the sheep. It is for the salvation of souls that the entire structure of ecclesiastical law exists. It has no other purpose than ultimately to protect and advance the sharing of the life of Christ with mankind. 
In normal circumstances, ecclesiastical laws create a structure within which the church's mission may unfold in an orderly and peaceful way. But there can be situations of anarchy or breakdown, corruption or apostasy, where the ordinary structures become impediments to, not facilitators of, the church's mission. In these cases, the voice of conscience dictates that one should do what needs to be done in prudence and charity for the achievement of the sovereign law. For example, St. Athanasius the Great was officially excommunicated And Dr. Janet Smith, who spoke at the conference, said he was excommunicated five times. But he did not hesitate to carry on with his work nonetheless. And many priests who remained faithful amid the extinction of the Catholic hierarchy in Elizabethan England exercised their ministry in violation of ordinary canonical norms, even over multiple generations. When a building is burning down, listen to this, beloved. When a building is burning down, one tries to put out the fire and rescue victims with any means to hand rather than waiting until the fire brigade arrives, especially if one knows from bitter experience that the fire chief is absent from his post or sleeping or intoxicated or convinced that fires are beneficial and most the firemen and most of the firemen are bumblers whose methods don't work or worse, are paid by saboteurs to spray gasoline on the fire. The crisis in the church is not to be blamed on those who, conscious of an obligation in the sight of God and a duty to suffering fellow believers, have responded to it as best they can with the bright weapons of obedience to the highest law that governs all others Dr. Kwasniewski quotes uh, Archbishop Vigano. Archbishop Vigano says, quote, Let us not make the mistake of presenting the current events as normal, judging what happens with the legal, canonical, and sociological parameters that such normality would presuppose. In extraordinary times, and the present crisis in the church is indeed extraordinary, Events go beyond the ordinary known to our fathers. In extraordinary times, we can hear a pope deceive the faithful, see princes of the church accused of crimes that in other times would have aroused horror and been met with severe punishment. We can witness our church's liturgical rites that seem to have been invented by Cranmer's, that's the English Reformation, Cranmer's perverse mind, See prelates process the unclean idol of the Pachamama into St. Peter's Basilica and hear the Vicar of Christ apologize. Listen to this. I'm going to repeat that. See the prelates process the unclean idol of the Pachamama into St. Peter's Basilica and hear the Vicar of Christ apologize to the worshipers of that image if a Catholic dares to throw it into the Tiber. Beloved, there's the music for our first break. We'll be back after the first break to continue this and hopefully um, be able to um, come to the end of the talk today uh, before our second break, and we'll have a whole half hour for your calls and your emails. 
toll free, the number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 8th. Today we celebrate the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We know nothing of the circumstances of Mary's birth, but the Church holds the Blessed Mother in such high esteem that it has long celebrated her birth on this date, which comes exactly nine months after the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. The so-called Gospel of James, dating from the 2nd century, reported that Anna and Joachim were the parents of Mary. Though the work has no historical value, it reflects the long-held devotion to Mary in both the Eastern and Western churches. We also remain unclear about where Mary was born. Ancient traditions suggest either Nazareth or Jerusalem. We can see every human birth as a call for new hope in the world. This is true in a magnificent way in Mary. If Jesus is the perfect expression of God's love, Mary is the foreshadowing of that love. If Jesus has brought the fullness of salvation, Mary is its dawning. Next to the birth of Jesus, Mary's birth offers the greatest possible happiness to the world. Each time we celebrate her birth, we can confidently hope for an increase of peace in our hearts and in the world at large. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. The Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live and I am she. And I'm thrilled to be with you, and we're continuing now. Um, I'm reading through the talk I gave this past weekend on um, the, in, in the Defending uh, Our Faith Conference here in Tyler, um, featuring our beloved Bishop Strickland. And um, I've excerpted most of this talk directly from a book called True Obedience in the Church for Our Time uh, by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, and who uh, rightfully and urgently uh, clarifies what is true obedience from false obedience. Um, and he quotes a gentleman named George Neumeyer, who says, for a religion predicated on tradition, the suppression of tradition makes no sense, unless the goal is to change that re religion fundamentally. And beloved, I think... Uh, Pope Francis has made it clear that his aim is to change the church completely. The Pope, of course, embodies, uh, continuing with the quote of George Neumeier, 
The Pope, of course, embodies the very division that he claims to deplore. He is dividing Catholics at the deepest possible level from Catholic tradition itself. A unity rooted in heterodoxy is a sham. By disregarding the authority of past popes, Francis erases his own. Today, the ecclesial witness of the ancient, medieval, and Tridentine heritage is gravely endangered, not only by the actions of hierarchs who wish to sever themselves from tradition, but also by the aggressive overreach of civic leaders intent on making divine worship subservient to the rising cult of population health. It must be clearly understood that no office holder in either the church or the state has authority in natural, divine, or ecclesiastical law to prohibit mass or refuse the sacraments to otherwise well-disposed Catholic faithful. In the convicting words of Bishop Athanasius Snyder, many clergy have lost a supernatural vision and have abandoned the primacy of the eternal good of souls. Cancellations of mass in the name of community health concerns, community health concerns, have shown that we are in earnest need of reclaiming that supernatural vision if a truly fitting worship of God is to continue in our sanctuaries. I heard a message during COVID, the COVID lockdowns, by Cardinal Raymond Burke, who said that no one on this earth, no human being, including the Pope himself, has the authority or power to cancel Mass or the sacraments because they're not given by man, they're given by God, and no human being, regardless of his position, the Pope himself, has any authority to cancel that. So, beloved, if you're watching the news, um, there, uh, I think uh, uh, President Biden has ordered billions of new mRNA uh, vaccines, and they're going to keep coming up with diseases that are deadly one after another and after another to mask and vacuum, vaccinate, and vaccinate and mask and shut down the world's population because they want to um, uh, kill it off in, in large measure. Don't fall for it. Beloved, don't do it. Don't mask. Don't take a single vaccine. Don't be part of this false hysteria. It is of Satan, not of God. Bishops and priests, if you shut down the mass, if you insist that your parishioners wear masks and you only allow so many in the church at a time, you are falling for the devil's lie. Our Lord died to save the entire world. And the Mass is Calvary represented. He would not on every altar of every Catholic church through the words of a true priest. Can you imagine our Lord on the cross telling only 25 people to come so that nobody gets infected? Can you imagine the insanity of that? That's exactly what happens at the Mass if we shut it down or limit it. Go home, don't watch the crucifixion. Watch it on TV. Can you imagine the insanity? Dr. Kwasniewski continues. 
Well, no, uh, Cardinal Mueller here has a quote that the good shepherd can be recognized by the fact that he worries more about the salvation of souls than about recommending himself to a higher authority by subservient good behavior. Courageous pastors and canceled priests will find themselves promptly and generously supported by grateful laity who will rally behind them to defend their sanctuaries, provide for their material needs, and if worse comes to worse, furnish a dignified place for the Mass to be offered. Bishops, good bishops, faithful bishops, faithful priests, we, the lay faithful, um, will always, we will house you, we will build underground places for you, we will provide all of your needs. The Anglican convert to the Catholic Church by the name of Hugh Ross Williamson wrote in 1970 in his blistering pamphlet titled The Great Betrayal, our bishops forbidding this rite, and that is the Tridentine rite, the Mass of the Ages, call on our obedience. But they must surely know that obedience to conscience takes precedence of everything and that obedience cannot be commanded for something wrong. Even in military life, a soldier can no longer plead obedience to a superior as an excuse for committing a crime. What the bishops mean by obedience is mindless regimentation, the kind of obedience which the apostate priests of the First Reformation gave to their apostate bishops, among whom there was only one who defended the faith, and that's St. John Fisher. The defense of the church in the face, this is still from the pamphlet, The Great Betrayal. The defense of the church in the face of the great betrayal by the ecclesiastics devolves on the laity, who should be active in pursuing the policy, which is already coming into effect in various places, providing a priest to say the Tridentine Mass and devoting to his upkeep all the money they would normally give to their local church. As we are back to the catacombs, the celebration can be held in private houses. <clears throat> there can be no possible censures for this. It was for this eventuality that St. Pius decreed, quote, at no time in the future can a priest ever be forced to use any other way of saying mass, end quote. It would in the end be impossible to accuse of schism those who continue to use the form of mass sanctified by the centuries. It is the ecumenists who would be the schismatics. Dr. Kwasniewski writes that our situation today is both worse in that the depth of the corruption is worse and better in that many more people see it and have made a resolute return to tradition. We even have in the hierarchy a few bishops of the medal of St. John Fisher. And I took a look, beloved, to see what Bishop Joseph Strickland might have in common with St. John Fisher. And I found this description of St. John Fisher. He remained faithful to his calling as a priest and bishop he strongly upheld the teachings of the church. The very cause of his martyrdom was his loyalty to Rome. That's word for word, Bishop Strickland. Whether he'll be physically martyred, we don't know. But 
you know that uh, the Vatican sent two priests, two bishops to silence him. You cannot silence him. If he is silenced, it'll be his choice out of fear, and he will betray his ordination the same way other bishops are betraying their ordination. They may be orthodox in their teaching, but their bishops, if you remain silent, you are betraying God and the sheep who desperately need you to speak out. And the statement of Edward Burke years ago is well known. The only thing needed for evil to persist is for good men to remain silent. Um, the image, at, uh, you know, from often at conferences, the beautiful image, well, they had a huge, uh, wonderfully blessed picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe touched to the original image, but also a um, beautiful painting of uh, St. John Bosco's dream of the ship going, the ship uh, representing the Ark of Peter with the Pope at the helm, steering it through two pillars, the Blessed Mother, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and uh, the Eucharist. And those are the two pillars of the Church, the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Eucharist. And the Pope, through every war, through every attack, through ships around, throwing bombs at it, the Pope that God has in place and will have in place, steering the ship through those two pillars. Dear ones, um, we have maybe another minute before the other half-hour break. Um, We have what the whole world needs. We must not cower. We must not keep it to ourselves. I've often repeated the quote of the um, um, Franciscan friar Stan Fortuna, who said, if we keep the gospel to ourselves, we are thieves. What do we have that we haven't received? Anything we have that's good, we've received it. And uh, if we keep it to ourselves, we are thieves because we have it to give to the whole world. What if those first apostles kept everything to themselves? They went into all the world and they were martyred for it. Every one of them, except John the Evangelist, who died in his 90s or something like that, on the exiled on the Isle of Patmos and wrote the book of Revelation. We are born, in, in, in Queen Esther's words, for such a time as this. God help us if we keep the gospel, the only means of salvation. There is no other religion that God founded. There is no other religion. God does not will all religions. He wills one the one he established through Abraham and promised through Abraham's seed, the Messiah would come as the Savior of the world to bring the gospel to every tribe and tongue and nation. It's the only means of salvation. The Catholic Church is the bark of Peter going through those two pillars. There's no other means of salvation, beloved. You need to come on board. And if you are a fallen away Catholic, you need to come back home. If you've left the church, it was either for immoral issues in your own life or for lack of understanding of what and who the church is. Come back. Come home while you still have opportunity. God bless you all. There's the music. We'll be back right after our second break to take your calls and emails toll-free, 
877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com and we'll be right back. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. It just really connected me to my faith. I always considered myself 100% Catholic, but didn't really realize that I wasn't fully practicing my faith, so I learned so much through the Station of the Cross and began just getting deeper in my prayers and feeling just so much closer to God and so well-versed in learning more about the Bible and more about what actually it means to be Catholic. So it became very, very important to me, and I listen to the radio station daily, and I absolutely love it. I make it a regular practice of donating every time they have their their fundraising and just love it and wouldn't want it to ever go away. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Uh, I'm going to ask my producer, uh, Jacob, today. Jacob, my computer just went off. Are we still online? Yes, we are on we the are. air, Mother, but uh, we just don't have your video, but your audio we is still on the air. Okay, I'm awfully sorry. Um, I am going to see, while we're on the air, um, as long as you don't have the video, I'm going to see if I could reconnect um, all right, everyone, sing, say a Hail Mary, and I'm going to go look at the plug. Say a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
beloved. I am back. I'm so sorry. Uh, we had a loose plug, and I just reconnected it, so we should be on very soon. I am coming back on. I, I want to take your, um, your calls and your emails, which means I have to be able to connect to the call screen. Let's see if this works. Jacob, hold on one moment. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. I'm back, Jacob. You are back, Mother. Welcome back. Okay. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Sorry for that. Oh, our electronics, we're so grateful for them, but when they go out, we're so dependent on them now. So um, this is our half hour together, and again, you are most welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Um, anonymously or with your name, uh, it, it, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. I always say that and mean it. So you can call in or write anonymously if you wish anything that's on your heart. We're going to begin with an email from Santino who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, many Novus Ordo churches today appear to have the priest say, Body of Christ. Then the parishioner responds, Amen. I was watching an FSSP, that's the Fraternity of the Society of St. Peter, uh, uh, watching an FSSP mass training video. And during communion, during the Latin mass, I never saw that. The priest says the blessing and the parishioners, the, the parishioner does not say anything. Is body of Christ an amen, the tradition of the church? Thanks and God bless. Sincerely, Santino. Santino, um... Hold on now. Um, at the traditional Latin Mass, the wording is different. And um, what the priest says is, in, in Latin, he says, Corpus Domini Nostri Jesu Christi, Custodiat Animum Tuum in Vitam Eternum. Amen. So, and that means, may the body of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your soul unto life everlasting. Amen. So the priest says the entire blessing and includes the amen. So the recipient of communion does not say amen as, as they do at the Novus Ordo. I hope that helps Santino. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Shalom, dear Mother Miriam. Well, shalom to whoever you are. I hope and pray you are well. First, I want to apologize for my English. <clears throat> which is not my first language. And second, I want to apologize for my coming question. I am sorry, but I don't have anyone around me. I can feel free to ask. Um, okay, I want to tell you that during the break, I took a quick look at this email. And um, uh, at the moment, uh, I do want to take it over the air because... Um, uh, this concerns transgenderism and there are so many people who suffer and who want to be helped and who don't ask or are afraid to ask, certainly over the air. So if you have young children, you might, might want to um, tell them to go in the kitchen and eat a cookie or something for the next uh, 10 minutes. Um, she writes this. I was born a woman and grew up in a Jewish home. When I was 20, after a big breakdown and my family disowning me, 
the only people who cared for me were LGBT. I want to tell you, beloved, that is the reason why many people become uh, part of the LGBTQ community. That is the reason why many people become Mormon or Jehovah's Witnesses, because they care, they're faithful, they follow up, and uh, it's, it's not often the, the, um, the way of many Catholics, which is a shame. Um, she writes, not long after, I decided to start taking testosterone. I became physically more masculine. I found a female partner who saw me as her husband. And after a long journey, we came into the Catholic Church. At the time of my baptism, I did not mention it to the priest, and he did not ask for any papers besides all my papers showing I am a male. But after the baptism, I had a very strong conversion, as God keeps inviting me to religious life. Well, so far, I say, shame on the priest who did not ask for baptism papers, and God bless, bless God that he keeps inviting you to religious life and uh, more so to him. At the beginning, I thought, she writes, I can't, I'm married, religious life, I can't, I'm married. But God kept telling me you are not. And I thought he spoke about the fact that we are not married, even not legally. It's exactly right. You are not married. It's impossible. Two men, dear one, can have a marriage ceremony by a priest, by a layperson, it doesn't matter. You're not married. God invented marriage. We can do nothing about it. If two men uh, get married, they think they get married, they could have a certificate and frame it, they are not married. They are two men, single, living in sin. The same with women. Um, God established marriage between a man and woman, and there is no one else who is, there's no such thing as same-sex marriage. Absolutely no such thing. You are deceived. You are fooling yourself. There is no such thing. If you've gone through or you're considering a same-sex marriage, you are considering living in very, very, very grave sin. This woman writes, um, <clears throat> When I became closer and closer to God, he started to heal my heart with my past life, and then he touched the gender thing. He asked me, Will you be my bride? Oh, my goodness. And I just couldn't believe it. At once I understood he wanted me to be uh, myself, but as a woman. But looking at my life, I got baptized with a male name, and my papers show male. My partner is freaking out, blaming me for becoming Catholic and going to Holy Hour and Mass every day and saying that I am hallucinating if I think Jesus is speaking to me. Mother, I do feel him deep in my heart. I do not want to face God and say, I did something against your will, and I just could not stop it because I was too proud to ask for help and trust you and your plans for my life. I hope you don't think I'm too crazy. I do not. I think you're, you're uh, very brave. Um, I hope you don't think I'm too crazy. Please answer my email. Can you please help me to untangle the problem? Will you talk with me? I need someone that I can trust. Any piece of advice will help. Yes, of course, I'll talk with you. And you're welcome to go on our, we our website, motherofisraelshope.org, and um, 
uh, look at the email and email me directly and put your phone number in there and I'll be happy to speak with you. But for now, dear one, I understand that your so-called partner is angry with you because God has not done that work in her heart. But he has in your heart. Here's what you must do. You must be completely honest with her and say, I am Catholic. And I wasn't when we married. I didn't understand God's law. I did not understand that he abhors homosexuality, lesbianism, and all of that, that marriage is just between a man and woman. I did not understand that. I know you don't believe it, but I, I, I do now, which means not only are we not married, um, but we cannot live together at all and have any physical contact. You must separate from her right away. And she may be devastated. She may fight you. Don't fight. Be loving. Be calm. Say, I'm so sorry, but God's grace is a gift. And somehow he's poured it out on me. And I beg him to do the same with you. But for now, I need to obey him. I want to honor him and see what he wants to do with my life. It seems he's calling me to religious life. I don't know that for sure. But we must live separately, not even in the same house in two separate rooms. You must leave and totally break with her, not have lunch once a week, totally break with her. You must. And um, I would suggest you get a spiritual director, a wonderful holy priest that can help you and, um, uh, and begin to dress as a woman um, and... Um, begin to be formed, begin to be formed, and let God lead you. It's not impossible that he may lead you to religious life at all, not impossible. Uh, Something like the conversion of St. Paul, he loves to take people who are the most unlikely religious and priests and convert them. But you need time, you're going to need a couple of years to be formed uh, as a holy lay person and to be... um, Uh, free of all temptations of the life you've been living. You need a good couple of years and uh, be faithful to the church, be faithful to mass. And until you are uh, not living with this other woman, you must not receive the Eucharist. You must not. Go to a priest, go to confession, tell him what your lifestyle has been and say, I repent of that. And I, I will leave her and receive God's forgiveness through that priest. But while you're living with her, you may not receive communion. Because even if you're not intimate, we are to be free of any scandal or causing scandal. And as long as you live with her, there's cause for scandal. So you've got to take some very strong, brave steps, dear one. And... Um, uh, embrace the incredible gift God has given you of his life. All right? Apart from that, you're welcome to email me. We have an email from someone who says, uh, Mother Miriam, I listen to your show when I am driving and find your presentations very helpful. <clears throat> this past week, I was assisting my mom in finding a new church. Since her current church is in the process of merging with another that is located further away, I found one that is close enough that even in the winter weather, 
she could get there safely. We went this weekend. I was surprised to hear the homily that was presented. At first, I thought maybe I misheard what was being said, but was able to find a video of the Mass online. I have included the link for you to take a look if you have time in your busy schedule. The homily begins at a certain mark, um, uh, and it ends with this time in the video. I'm hoping you can give your thoughts on the content, but in short summary, there seems to be a comparison between our Lord's transfiguration and transgenders transitioning. I agree that we are all God's children, but I was having difficulty with the rest of what was being said. Thank you for your time. Best regards. Signs, uh, his name, M. Uh, I will respond to this, dear one. As soon as we come back from the break, we'll have 10 minutes, beloved. The lines are open, and you are yet welcome to call in toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The fathers of the church, along with the doctors like St. Thomas, go so far to say that even all the instruments of the passion, the cross, the pillar, the lance, the garments, were preserved in heaven and shown on the last day. These man-made things are in heaven and are being saved as trophies because the blood of Christ has empurpled and dyed them. Do we want our thoughts, our words, our actions, to count in heaven, they need to be dyed with his precious blood, united to his blood formed from the pure blood of Mary, immaculate on the day of the Annunciation and perfected on Calvary. We can do this at every Mass, as well as in praying the Holy Rosary and through total consecration of Jesus living in Mary. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Are you looking for a simple, creative, and easy way to give to the Station of the Cross? Consider a transfer of stock to help us continue evangelizing our world over the airwaves, through mobile devices, and through our website. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's 1-877-888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes. Time for you to call in if you wish toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Just before the break, 
we read um, an email by someone who signs his or her name M and uh, said that um, his, his or her mother's church is um, merging with another and located far further away. And so um, this uh, one found a church close enough, even in the winter where his mother could get there safely, but really was uh, questioning what he heard in the homily, which he says, um, there seems to be a comparison between our Lord's transfiguration and transgenders transitioning. Um, Well, I did look at this uh, portion. I I listened to the entire homily during two breaks, and I would say um, it's a Novus Ordo church, and I would say they have departed from the Catholic faith. They would be shocked for, for my saying that, because it looks like a Catholic church. It acts like an irreverent Novus Ordo church, not because all Novus Ordo churches are irreverent, but this one is, um, uh, from everything I've seen. Um, and the women coming up to the podium and everything else. And um, this priest uh, has either lost his faith in the teachings of the church or never had it. Um, and I'm going to announce it. It is St. Matthias Parish in Marlboro, Massachusetts. St. Matthias Parish in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Um, it is not an Orthodox good Catholic parish. Um, the priest says that everyone is welcome. He's quoting the Pope. Of course everyone is welcome. Our Lord died for everyone, every single soul. But you're not welcome to come in and stay as you are. Um, uh, there's a little song that says he loves you just the way you are today, but he loves you much too much to let you stay that way. And when he's changed your life from what it was before, he still won't love you one bit more. He's God. He's a God of love. He loves you perfectly, not based on what you do or fail to do. He loves you based on who he is, but he wants you to come to his church and he wants you to come to him. And if you are living a transgender life or LGBTQ plus, or um, so-called same-sex marriage, or um, in, in sexual intimacy outside of marriage, if you die in that state, you are going to be in hell forever. That's very, very, very How do you know, Mother? Because I read Scripture. Homosexuals, slanderers, all of that will not see the kingdom of God. It's all over Scripture. Uh, do I say you have to believe it? I can't tell you what to believe. You're on your own. But I would not suggest a single soul ever return to St. Matthias Parish in Marlboro, Massachusetts. I know I've angered some people, but I think God's truth and his glory and his honor is more important than our emotions. Um, Okay. We have an email from Vince, and Vince says, Good morning, Mother. It is a good afternoon here in Hertfordshire, England. I love listening to your show while preparing dinner, and your application to the faith is a great example of how a Catholic should be. Thanks so much, Vince. Speaking of great examples, what do you think of clergy or nuns who do not dress as such in public? It would be an advantage to us as laity if the clergy could lead by example in public, too, as we are expected to. Kind regards, Vince. Vince, what I think of clergy um, and nuns who do not dress as such in public 
is that they also have abandoned their vocation. They are to be signs of God to the world. A priest is to be in his clerics at all times. A nun is to be in a habit at all times. At the very, 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 very least, she is to wear a veil. At the very least, John Paul II wrote that. At the very least, she is to wear a veil. So I would say that they have, they are, um, uh, what's the word, not poor, but um, for me it's devastating. They are awful examples of what a priest and a nun are to be in being signs to God in the world. Awful examples. And people who see a priest in clerics can go to him if they've been away from the church, they need prayer, they need confession, and many priests don't wear their clerics because they don't want to ha- that to happen. They don't want to be in an airport and have people come to them. Shame on them. They want to be free. Well, shame on you. Jesus was never free. Except when he went all night to pray to the Father. And you're welcome to do that. We have an email from maybe the same Santino. I don't know. And he says, Dear Mother Miriam, I was curious if Catholics should be watching Superbook starring Kathleen Westlook and Colin Murdoch. This TV show is about Christianity, and I was curious if this teaches any errors. From my angle, it looks okay, but I just wanted to check to make sure. Thanks for all the truth that comes out of your mouth. God bless, Santino. Santino, during our last break, I've never heard of Superbook, but I was able to look it up online. It is Christian, but it's not Catholic. And so... um, if it te- it, it's going to teach errors because it's not Catholic. It's a truncated Christianity who left the Catholic Church and left seven-plus books of the Bible and the authority of the magisterium. There's going to be errors in there. At the very least, it is going to be the teachings of the Church on the Eucharist, on worship, on the saints, on the Blessed Mother, on the sacraments. At the very least, all that is absent. And I would not have any children watch that. Find something Catholic. Go to EWTN Children's Programs. Find something Catholic. We have an email from someone who signs E. It says, hello, I would like to know the difference between Catholicism and practicing Messianic Judaism are both acceptable. I would say offhand, no. Messianic Judaism, for the most part, there's two sorts of people who call themselves a messianic Jew. There are those in Israel who believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, but they don't believe he's God. They're not Christians. Do not believe in the Trinity and that Christ himself is God is to not be a Christian. So there are those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but that he's not divine. They are absolutely not Christians, let alone Catholics. There's another group the majority who call themselves Messianic Jews, and they are, for the most part, evangelical Protestants. They're not Catholic. Evangelical Protestants. Now, there might be some in the Catholic Church, uh, priests included, who are part of a huge Messianic Judaism movement, and they're Catholic. But the majority of that movement is Protestant, and if they're in it, they're in it for some form of unity and evangelization. But um, Messianic Jews, uh, their theology is, for the most part, evangelical Protestantism. Um, 
Okay. Um, I tell you what, beloved, our next email is from um, Jason. And dearest Jason, your email is a bit lengthy and we don't have enough time before the break, before the close of the program to even read through it. So your email will be the very first we take tomorrow. Um, Beloved, you'll hear our uh, closing music in a few seconds. Um, Do not compromise. If you are living with someone, man or woman, who is not your legitimate spouse, and you're living with them because you say you love them, you don't know what love is. Love will not send someone to hell. And if you're living with someone intimately who is not your legitimate spouse, you may feel emotion toward them. But love wants the best for the one whom they love. And to live with someone outside of a true marriage is to put them on the road to hell along with yourself. That is not love. God will receive your repentance. Don't wait. Go to a priest today. God bless you. We'll speak with you tomorrow. My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania.